0: Well we are starting a new series and we've started it already called Jesus Said because there are so many things that Jesus says that are vitally important for us to learn how to live because that's what we are about, about being more like Jesus, amen? amen. Oh okay, thank you Pastor Pavey, you are more like Jesus every day, that is for sure. So we're exploring the words that Jesus said which are vitally important and you know when we read the Gospels On the face of it, sometimes it can be quite harsh, the things that Jesus has said, and even devoid of emotion. Uh, But we have to understand that when we're reading Scripture and we're looking at Scripture and studying Scripture, we have to look at it from a first century point of view. And we have to look at it from four major areas. And that is, we have to look at it from a cultural basis, we have to look at it from a language base, we have to look at from a a historical base and a geographical base because they're all very important factors when we look at the Word of God. But when we delve into Scripture on those bases we get a true perspective and then we understand well wow that's that's not as harsh as what I had thought. I certainly want to be a follower of Jesus and I want to understand what he's really saying to us so we're going to take the time about cracking open the things that Jesus said and look at them as to what is relevant in our life right now today in 2024. So I would love you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9 or open it up to Luke chapter 9 and we're going to read from verse 57 to 62 and this is what it says, And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you... Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, above all things, we want to have a really clear understanding what you are saying to us because we want to embrace your words we want to live in your word and reflect who you are in Jesus mighty name and everyone said amen. amen you know this portion of scripture that we have is one of those moments that you read it and you go wow Jesus says some really tough things here some things you go see that just seems a little bit harsh but you we've got to understand that Jesus is fighting the concepts and ideas and thinking that people have in their own mind what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And he's trying to take them from a journey of living in a life that God has for them rather than living in their life that they have for them. And there will always be that clash. We must move from what we think is okay and normal To what Jesus is establishing in our lives and that is the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is within us and the kingdom of God is the principles that's the teachings that Jesus has for us and we need to have them completely overwhelm in our life and when the kingdom is truly established then we start to function out of how Jesus lived not just in the world but under the power of the anointing of God and establish the kingdom right where he was and when we live in kingdom principles your life will change you will do things the way that Jesus did you won't default to what you want to do but very very often they can become very very hard for us the Lord in his love for us think about this he took us out of darkness and where did he take us to into his glorious light so he's taken us from darkness and he's brought us into glorious light however light has certain I guess intensities if you like you know The light's on but no one's home. What does that mean? I guess it's just a a little bit of light there. Because you can have dim light. Who's ever been called dim at school? I certainly was. But you see, God wants us to be people who shine brightly so that the whole world will know that Jesus is a son of God. We want to be able to truly reflect him remember when Moses went up into the mountain and he saw God and he was with God and he came back down and the glory of God was on him and he was reflecting the Lord's glory and the and the children of Israel go oh it's too much for us the the light is too bright so he put a cloak over his face because they were so overwhelmed by the reflection of God man I would love that Wouldn't you love that? When you walk in your workplace and they go, whoo, man, something's happening to you. You are are bright, man. You are bright. You are shining bright. Not like, is there anyone home? Is the light on at home? Bright bright lights are defined lights. We must remove the darkness from our thinking and our behaviour and be the light of the world that Jesus has called us to be you see Jesus says you are the light of the world you are how bright are you this morning why don't you turn to someone and say how bright are you this morning how bright are you this morning and you say the light's on the light is on. is there anyone who does not have the light on, Sally, put Ray's hand down, please. All right? We had to shine, think about that. And this portion of Scripture that we've just read reveals three types of people, two who want to be followers of Christ, and one who was challenged to be a follower of Christ. Because there's always challenges that we face so let's break down that scripture that portion and just look at it let's just look at the first part of it so we can just set up what is happening because sometimes we just we read things and we read them too quickly especially in Scripture and we don't take the time to think what's really happening here so here's the first portion of that Luke 9 57 58 now listen to this it says as they were going along the road as they who who were they these are people who are following Jesus because this is what's happened up until that point there's been some pretty powerful miracles take place in the life of Jesus so there was a a woman with an issue of blood who was healed dramatically Jairus's daughter was healed there was a demon possessed man who set free and also there was 5,000 people who were fed so as they are going along there are all these followers following Jesus because the word had gotten out and Jesus had a certain amount of notoriety about healing and about setting people free and about feeding people. I mean, goodness me, if that was you, you would have a trail of people after you, wouldn't you? Who'd wanna be part of the deal, part of that ministry that God had given you. And so as they're walking along, there's these group of people following Jesus. And as they go along, this is the thing that happens. The next scripture, uh, part of the scripture says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Man, what a big statement. I will follow. You. This isn't Peter talking, this is somebody else. And I'll tell you who it is. It's actually in Matthew chapter 8, we know that it's a scribe, it's a religious person, it's a scribe who's following Jesus. And he goes, I will follow you wherever you go. Wherever. wherever. I'm there. I'm, I'm with you. One hundred. I will follow you wherever you go. Now here's the deal. That we've got to understand. That when someone wanted to you know, follow a rabbi, they would go to that rabbi and say, I will follow you. I, I will follow you. And then... Please understand that if I'm following you, you now have a responsibility to look after me. That was the cultural norm. You now must look after me. So if I was to go to Pastor Pavia and say, I I will follow you wherever you go. I'm expecting that she's going to do the cleaning, the cooking, the washing. And you know, like, well, that already happens. But that is the setting of what was taking place. I will follow you, but you must look after me. But Jesus says this as he finishes. Look at this. This is what he says. I can imagine. There's a crowd. A crowd of people. And and this guy goes, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. As long as you look after me. As long as you feed me. As long as you give me a place to live. And if you you look after my clothes, I will follow you because now you will be my rabbi. And this is a religious guy. And Jesus turns around and I can just imagine saying, sport, now you just listen to me. Listen, foxes have hole, birds have nests, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And the guy goes, well, not such a good deal after all, is it? Because you see, his mind just went whoosh. Because Jesus was putting a demand on him that he did not expect because Jesus knew what was going on inside of him because the scripture tells us he knows the heart of man because when we read that we go, he goes you know foxes have holes the birds have nests and I have nowhere to lay my head I can imagine the guy going whoa whoa Jesus Jesus take it easy I just said I would follow you you know I did it on Facebook I did it on Instagram I did it on snapchat and I even subscribed to your YouTube channel because I said I would follow you I always get this little twist of humor in my head when I hear ministries and pastors going well I have 10,000 followers And I think to myself, I thought we were supposed to get people to follow Jesus. I thought we were supposed to point to him. Hey? Well, hang on. Is Facebook a spiritual type of instrument? No. It's a worldly, twisted, perverted instrument. that We'll use it, okay? But what it does it makes people attach to other people and follow other people you see there's nothing evil only if we make it evil if we twist it and I can imagine this guy going oh Facebook remove him as friend no longer subscribing to the YouTube channel hmm his motivation in following was to get not give his motivation was not to sacrifice but to take it was not to live low but to live high and Jesus smashes this guy right between the eyes and he says listen if you follow me potentially you will have nothing potentially because he's dealing with his attitude not everyone's attitude because you know when you are called God will always look at us and say what needs to be remedied within our heart because Jeremiah 17 verse 9 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it So he's pointing to this guy's issue. And here's the challenge. The challenge of cost to be a follower of Jesus. There is always the challenge of cost. And it's always the thing that we want to hang on to that we're not willing to relinquish to God. If he had some other issue, I'm sure Jesus would have pointed straight at that. The challenge of cost. When Pavia and I were first going out, and uh, you know, after I had become a Christian, I really felt an incredible, strong call to be a missionary to Africa. And I really felt that this is where God was going to take me. And when we were going out, and before we declared our undying love, is that all right, Pastor Randall? Undying love to each other. I can remember this as if it was yesterday we were in the botanical gardens is that right and we were having a picnic and we were sitting there and laughing and Pastor Pavey's giggling (laughs) and you you know well she's with me what do you expect oh it's just normal and I said to her this and I said would you live in a hut In Africa and she looked at me with those brown eyes and she said yes that's what she said she said yes and I said to her well you go and have a great time because I'm staying here (laughs) no no I went good because I knew regardless of the cost that she would follow Jesus and can I just say this God saved Africa from me (laughs) because I have never been to Africa maybe someday I will and hey we've had some friends in their late 60s who got a call to Africa so who knows I'll tell you something about Pastor Pavian missions (laughs) oh dear she says when she was at Bible College they told them to write down all the places they would go and serve God on the mission field and there were people writing down you know we will go to Africa we will go to you know uh, the the furthest place on the earth we'll, we'll go to Russia and you know we'll go to and there we're gonna and then all these names on this big board and Pavey wrote down London, Paris, New York, Rome. Well, they need Jesus, don't they? True story. Now look, the Lord has always allowed us to have shelter and to have a home. Hopefully we will get one soon, all right? But he has always done that. But you see, that it's the call... Of a follower concerning the cost? And are you willing, as a follower, when Jesus puts his finger on an issue in your heart concerning something, are you willing to pay the price to be a follower? The scribe was saying, I'll follow you if you supply everything I want. And he just went, because we don't hear any more about him. So imagine, he's standing amongst all these other people who are following Jesus. Can you imagine the awkward silence that took place there when Jesus said, foxes have hole, the birds have nests, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And they all go, and the scribe goes, so he just stands there. And then... Jesus turns to someone in that crowd and this is what he says. To another he said, follow me. So this guy, the first guy, the scribe says, I will follow you. But then Jesus puts the point on someone and he says, you follow me. Like he did Matthew the tax collector. Do you remember in the Gospels? And he came along and he said to Matthew, follow me. And he closed up the tax booth and he just followed him. I'm sure they knew about that. And he turns to this guy and he says, follow me. And this is what the guy says. He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Well, that's reasonable, isn't it? Is that reasonable not to, you know, go and bury his father? I mean, after all, has he lost his father? Do you know that in first century, when someone died, You were in the ground that day. And if his father had died, why isn't he with the family, looking after them and comforting them? Nearly every commentator that I read said the father was not dead. He was saying to Jesus, I will follow you when my father dies. Then it will be more convenient for me. Because he says, Lord... Let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now he's talking not only in a spiritual sense, but he's just saying it's time to move on. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And you think, man, we read that and we go, that's harsh. No, it wasn't harsh because that was not the reality. He's saying, when my father passes then I will follow you man do you know how many people that I've heard I will follow you Jesus when dot 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 I will follow you Jesus when my business can sustain me I will follow you Jesus when I finish dot 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 you know what this is? this is the challenge of convenience it's not convenient because my family is all alive Jesus is not saying that to everyone. Please understand that. He's saying it to him because this was the issue. Because it wasn't convenient to serve God at this time. It wasn't convenient to be a follower of Christ. But he said, I, 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 I'll follow you, but let me, but let me, but let me. Followers never do that. The cost of convenience. You know, I know of one young man man that I have had interactions with for over 20 years and I've spoken to him on many times give your life to Christ when it it seems right when it seems right today is the day of salvation make the difference it's just not convenient because there's all these other things that I want to do when people do not respond to the Lord they're saying I'll do it tomorrow they won't because it's not convenient do you know in the book of Acts chapter 24 Paul is in Caesarea and he's being held he's been held by the governor and the governor brings him out the governor is Felix and Felix likes to talk to Paul And Paul starts to tell him about how Christ suffered for them and that he brings righteousness and he talks about judgment. And Felix and Drusilla, his wife, are listening to Paul and conviction comes. Have you ever seen anyone under conviction? And God is moving on them and and bringing the Spirit of God, convicting them and they're standing there and and they just don't like it. And this is what Felix says in verse 25. He says, You can go, and when it is convenient, I will call for you again. Convenient? When is it convenient? Follower of Christ, what is he calling you to do? And in my life and your life, when we say, no, it's just not the right time. It's always the right time when God calls us because he wants it done. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the opportunity. Actually, in the ESV, it says when there is more of an opportune time, I will respond. It's never convenient. When the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart, so be it. So be it. We've got to move with the challenge of convenience. The third guy in the crowd, he hears the first guy and the second guy because they're all there together in this crowd. I can imagine, the, you know, they're all starting to get itchy feet. They're all kind of like going, mm, this is not good. I don't know where this is going. Jesus is putting the acid on us, so to speak. Or he's bringing the reality of what is going on in our life to the forefront so that he can deal with it, so that we can do everything that he's called us to. And the third guy goes this. Next scripture. Yet another said, I will... I will follow you lord the third guy why did the third guy say that because he thought first guy hmm, worldly stuff not my problem Hmm, second guy hmm, convenient let the dead bury dead I'm not going to wait until father has died he says I will follow you lord but let me first say farewell to those at my home not wait until he dies but I just got to say goodbye to the guys Just, just, uh, I'm almost there. Like I'm almost a follower. But let me first go and say goodbye. Look at this, what Jesus says. This is really, really interesting. Next scripture. He says, no one who puts his plow, his hand to the plow, and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you know when Jesus said that do you know what he was actually doing he was actually taking them back to a point in history that they all knew very well and I think the third guy knew this as well and it's the story when Elijah calls Elisha and God tells him go and put your mantle on Elisha to follow you so Elijah walks up and what is Elisha doing He's plowing and he stops and he puts his mantle on Elisha and he's he's basically saying follow me come on you're going to be one of the guys you're going to be a prophet and what does Elisha say he says oh let me first go and say goodbye Wow so this third guy he's thinking oh I've got a scriptural reference for this issue here if I say to Jesus I will follow you but let me like Elisha in 1st Kings chapter 19 verse 19 say goodbye to my guys and what has Elijah said what am I to you I mean seriously what am I to you Elijah 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 we're talking about Elijah I think one of the the greatest prophets Next to John the Baptist that ever walked on the face of the earth. Do you know why I believe that? Because when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he was then transformed, who turned up? Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the Lord and Elijah representing the Spirit. And Elijah lays his mantle on this guy and he goes, hang on, just a minute, hang on. I'm committed, but I'm not 100% committed. Let me first go back and say goodbye to my friends I think this third guy knew the scriptures I think he did and that's why Jesus says no one who puts his hand to the palau all right and looks back is fit for the kingdom see Elisha did that but that's Old Testament that's law we're in a different dispensation folks We're under New Testament and New Testament demands more than the Old Testament. Grace living demands more in our lives and from our lives than the law because it was done because it was supposed to be done. This stuff has got to come out of who we are and out of our heart that's redeemed and changed because now the light of the Lord is living in us because he's poured his love into our heart by the Holy Ghost and there's a greater demand and that's why Jesus said if you're going to do that see you later Jack greater demand the challenge of commitment that's the challenge i call i call this guy manana mike manana no i spoke to my great spanish speaking friend jose and i said to him manana what does manana mean and it's tomorrow tomorrow i'll do that tomorrow Tomorrow. I'll be committed tomorrow mañana Mike the challenge of commitment it's a little bit like this do you have a cupboard at home that's full of stuff now there, it's unde- why are you looking at your husband undefinable stuff stuff you can't remember that's in the cupboard and you say to yourself I'm gonna clean that manana tomorrow I've got to do that tomorrow do you know that tomorrow never comes and that's what Jesus is saying to this guy oh you want to do you want to go and say goodbye to your chaps you're not really fit for the kingdom now again listen to what I am saying to be a follower of Jesus with these three guys. Jesus is dealing with the issues within the person. That doesn't mean that you can't have houses. That doesn't mean that you, know, you, you can't have family you know, and, and care for them. That doesn't mean that you can't be you know, with friends. Jesus is putting the, the point of finger of the issue that's in their life that they refuse to deal with. When it comes to being a follower of Christ. A true follower of Christ. Faces the challenge of cost. Whatever that may be. And that when God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. And he, he says I want you to do this. And in your mind you're going. Gee that's going to cost a lot. Really? To be a follower of Jesus. Do you realize what he gave for you? To have eternal life? To have peace and purpose? Do you realise that he laid down his life for you? That he shed his blood? That he who knew no sin became sin for you? That was the cost. Now we all have different costs that we think are so important. But the challenge is to give it. Do you know that every time the Lord has asked us to do something and it's cost, it's never cost that much. It's never cost that much and the Lord always makes it up but it's just like getting over the line of the cost and what about the convenience thing what's not convenient to you in the time that God says to you I'd love you to go and share your life with that person oh it's not convenient I'm not really good at speaking I'm not really good at that and what if they think I'm, I'm a you know a religious nut well, the reality is they probably do think you're a religious nut. So that takes one out of the two and just move towards it. Do you know, I, I had an opportunity just the other day. I had to go and be somewhere and I really didn't want to be there. You know, like a, I wanted to be there, but I, I felt a little bit guilty about being there. But I just, I just thought, well, this is, a, this is an opportunity. And I went and do you know, two people opened up, they asked me about my testimony and they shared about their religious experiences with me. And that would never have happened if I thought, oh, it's a little bit inconvenient because I've got to do this. We have to put ourselves in the place that God calls us to and who knows, we just have to be open to Him, the cost of convenience and the cost of commitment. There is only one way to be committed and that's total commitment to Him, to what He calls us to do also at that moment. So I'd love you to stand this morning, just as we're closing. And I don't want you to think about this as as something like, oh, this this is tough reality is Jesus says tough things. Do you know that, that guy, if he had been willing to pay the price, he would have had the greatest life on the face of the earth. He would have. He would absolutely had the greatest. And if that guy who, who thought about, now oh, this is inconvenient, if he had done that and moved forward, and let's say perhaps his father had died several years later, or just a month later? Do you think Jesus would allow them to go back and see him? Because Jesus went back to see those who had lost their loved one. Do you think that, that, that guy with the commitment problem, do you think that his life would have been different if he had surrendered completely? Totally. Totally. So here's three questions for you I want you to consider today and tomorrow manana and beyond manana these three questions what cost is jesus asking you to make in that moment what convenience is jesus asking you to forsake and what commitment is jesus asking for you in that moment that moment So he may never ask you what those three guys were asked to do but I know this he will ask you he will ask you regarding a cost a convenience and a commitment and he wants you he wants you because like I said at the very beginning he's taken us out of darkness into his glorious light and now he wants you to shine as brightly as possible and these three areas I think are are, are three major areas that people have to deal with. Cost, convenience, commitment. But if you would just listen to what he is saying to you, and you move to do what he's asked you to do, you will change the lives of other people and your life will also change. And you will become brighter. You will be that light. You will be that lamp that's on a stool. I want you to close your eyes this morning. And I want you to think about those three areas. Perhaps there's been something in the past when God has asked you to pay the price in, and it's a cost, and you've kind of gone, Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And what about that convenient thing when maybe someone needed something a word, a hand? And what's the commitment part for you? You know, sometimes when, when God gives me a message like this, I do honestly feel, Lord, I don't want to make it harsh for people because I love people. But I know that God is calling us to this stuff. And if I don't do it, if I don't pay the cost in doing it, if I just ignore and think it's inconvenient at this time, or if I'm not committed to preaching the whole word of God, then my life will be not what it's supposed to be. But I want you to ask yourself, God, help me to see where I can be brighter in these three areas. Help me to be everything. And I tell you what, it's so liberating. So liberating to listen to him and to relinquish to him and truly become the follower that he's called us to be. Because it's life. It's life and godliness. Don't be like Felix. Don't be like that first guy, even the third guy. Surrender completely and let let him speak to you. Let him speak to you. And if there is an area for you Regarding these three things, and God is asking you to do something there and you're not doing it, why don't you say, Lord, here I am, I will do it, and trust Him and be the follower that He's called you to be. Lord, I pray for these wonderful people who love you, Lord, that you've taken us out of darkness into your glorious light. And we thank you. And we want to shine brightly for you. We want to be true followers of Jesus. And so, Lord, we lay down every, everything that is not good and wholesome and godly to what you've called us to. And we will be willing to pay the price, the cost. We would be willing to overcome the inconvenience of that moment and make ourselves available to you. And we will be committed totally to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.